heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You know, listen, early 2020, we reported on it. There were a lot of unknowns. We just didn't know a lot of things. And things were happening. You know, it's it's hard to bring your mind back there because, you know, the news cycle moves on, right? I mean, come on, the news cycle moves on. Now we're on to other challenges that the world has. And that's what I think some people are hoping for, actually, because, you know, people have short memories, surely. Um, there's enough pressures on a day-to-day basis to account for those short memories and all justification of that, you know? Um, but I want to bring it back to March. 2020 actually okay and so looking at this incredible timeline of events that happened that uh, wow that surely uh, whiplashed all of us you know uh, the cdc issued a covid alert number two uh, in violation of three federal laws this alert moved the comorbidities in the deceased to a different part of the death certificate so that COVID could be inaccurately listed as the cause of death. Now, when I put that out there, there was a lot to this. And and my my fellow Americans, we talked about this. We talked about this. There was no way we cured cancer, heart disease, diabetes, or any of those things in that period of time. We, We did not cure all those things. Yet everything and anything that ailed us was put into the COVID list. And that was the first thing that things started to get a little suspect as to why. I mean, we knew it was happening. I mean, we reported on it early, early on in the case here as we followed this thing going through. And then, you know, well, it became clearer as went on. And as we were all caught into the spiral effect, that there was compensation happening. People were benefiting. If you died from COVID or if you died from anything, if they just put COVID anywhere near the certificate, the cash register started to ring. And surely the government was sending money out. Now that in itself is, is odd, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And then to bring you back on the, back to that timeline, uh, just a couple of days later, and I'll read you this here statement, the United States Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, just actually two days later from the March 24th from that uh, initial alert of changing the rules, if you will. Um, so what, what they did uh, just two days later, they financially incentivized the hospitals to go along with this data fraud. So you, it all was lock and step. I want you to understand the t- timelines are important. And it was just a couple of days later, this incentivizing of people to make all kinds of money. And, and again, we, we've, we talked about all this over the many months, over the last couple of years. It was very suspect how people were being paid. And then when you take that back and bring it forward and you look at all the irregularities that have happened out there, right? The fear 
that was put into people. I mean, this fear, and you could feel it out there. You could cut it with a knife. I mean, you could see it in people's eyes. I mean, you remember those feelings if you really dial it back. And then there was a loss of trust. People started to lose trust in the bureaucrats and the politicians, for sure, the elites, the people who were calling the shots. And it didn't really matter at that point if you were a Democrat or Republican or an independent, people were really losing trust with the system. That's what was happening. So it became a campaign of fear is what happened, right? And then what I will present to you today, it was really outright fraud, what's taken place. It's outright fraud, what's happened. You know, so a couple of questions to consider. And I know you're probably thinking, as I am, what was this all about, Malcolm? Well, that is a good question. What was the overarching agenda here? And the bigger question is, how do we hold the perpetrators accountable? I mean, and you know, because we have a habit in this country of moving forward quickly, forgetting what took place. I mean, we, we have a history of this, actually. And that is the problem. And that's where we'll start today, my fellow Americans, and to our friends around the globe. Welcome into the voice of a nation here. It is Malcolm Out Loud. And it's always a privilege and a pleasure to be with you. Uh, joining us on the program today will be Oregon Senators uh, Dennis Linthicum is here and Kim Thatcher. Both are great uh, senators from the state of Oregon. And Dr. Henry Ely is here as well. And the interesting reason we, we have these folks on the program today is, well, they are the plaintiffs in a petition to petition for a grand jury, to convene a grand jury, if you will. So the question is, who are the defendants, you might ask? And there's a whole litany of those folks that would fit into that category. And I know if I pass the baton around the room and ask you all out there, who would you like to have as a defendant on this? I can imagine how long that list would be. And I'm speaking about you out there, our fellow Americans, what you, you know, I'm sure you have a list of folks you'd put into this group as a defendant as well. So let's take it from the top here. And it, it bring it back, it, you know, first of all, the fact that they are plaintiffs, it, to me, adds incredible uh, integrity uh, to this process of what's taken place here and what the potential is. So let's have a real conversation today. I want to start with my brother, Henry, Dr. Henry Ely here uh, to lay the foundation down, if you will. And, you know, we've been talking for a long time uh, on America Out Loud here. Dr. Ely has been part of that movement we and you really have been an inspiration to millions of people for your work out there and for you your goal of holding people accountable because this was a sucker punch to the gut of uh, well <laughs> countless people dr ely who got caught into this spiral effect here let's bring it back to october 2020 and you know you were on the forefront and of getting a lot of these uh, well peer-reviewed uh Papers published and the uh, watching the data. You're a numbers guy. I hate numbers, by the way, but you're a <laughs> you're a numbers guy, and so I, I do. I hate numbers, man. But but I, but I like to look at them when someone else does the work. So thank you for doing the work, brother. Well, I really appreciate it, Malcolm. It's so uh, such a privilege to be here with uh, both senators and also with your audience, getting this message out. You know, I think we're at a time for action. You know, we've we've educated. We have a significant 
you know, minority of uh, Americans, and I think it's really a majority now when you look at the new poll numbers who are, understand that some major things went on that were fraudulent. And what we did in October of 2020 was we published the first peer-reviewed paper proving that um, the CDC had violated three very important laws, the Administrative Procedures Act, the Paperwork Reduction Act, and the Information Quality Act to defraud the American people, to publish COVID data that was grossly, woefully, intentionally, willfully inaccurate in our allegations. What we, what we found with that process was um, we went through an extensive two-month peer review process. We had at least nine attorneys and a, a judge review our, our paper before we published with uh, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler and his IPAC journal. And what, what came of that was we immediately put together a, a petition to a grand jury. But um, in October, Malcolm, we sent that petition, that first draft of it, along with the peer-reviewed paper to every single U.S. attorney in the United States. I paid for it out of my own pocket to do it. We got zero responses back. We didn't get one response back from any U.S. attorney at when we're bringing probably the greatest allegations of, of fraud that have ever been brought before a um, before an attorney general, excuse me, before a U.S. attorney. So when we did that, Malcolm, um, and we got no response, it was really deflating, as you can imagine. It's like, my God, we just found that there's major crimes that need to be investigated and we can't even get a response. We can't even get on a, a call with someone to, to discuss it. Well, uh, Senator Thatcher and, and, and Senator Linthicum, um, you know, we had we started we had known each other for a little bit, but we had started doing some more intensive work in Oregon together, and we brought this to them in 2021. And not only were they floored, but they immediately rushed in to support it. And so by August of 2021, we the three of us together filed and and um, on on Senator Thatcher and Senator Linthicum's letterhead a revised version of the grand jury petition specifically to the Honorable Scott Asfog, who's the acting U.S. attorney in the state of Oregon, asking for a grand jury to get this information before a grand jury. He exercised something he doesn't really have in this situation called prosecutorial discretion. And rather than get it to an impaneled grand jury or inform the court of it as he's as his duty should suggest he should do, he sent it up to the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., where Senator Linthicum and Senator Thatcher had a few interactions, but the interactions were, were fruitless and, and, um, you know, and really showed, in our opinion, that the DOJ had no intention of pursuing this um, at all. So we put our heads back together and we said, you know, we can't let this stand, especially at that point in time, you know, late summer, early fall of 2021, when mandates are coming on and things are before the Supreme Court and we're trying to help out uh, people who are losing their jobs and things like that. We said, we can't let this stand. So uh, we got our heads back together and we drafted and we, in the next version of the grand jury petition, we moved from a 11 page petition to a um to a 63-page petition, yeah, and uh, and really spelled it out and tied it into the Health and Human Services um, erection of a Medicare Medicaid insurance fraud system as well, and that's when uh, and that's when we felt like we really tied it together for the American people, and that's what we're seeking here is justice for this. Yeah, it, it's you know it's it's sizable. I mean, I've read through all of the documentation and. Now, it, it, but it's also crossing the T's and dotting the I's, which it, right. it appeared to me in reading this, you really 
kind of did that here. And that gave me some hope. So let's answer this. Who, Dr. Ailey, who are the defendants in this? Let's, let's put it right out there, please. Who are they? Uh, yeah, well, we, we, lifted, we listed for this because this is about data fraud leading to insurance fraud. So the two departments, uh, the two federal agencies re- and that are involved in that are going to be the CDC and some of their subsidiary sub-agencies and then the Department of Health and Human Services uh, um, uh, excuse me, the Health and Human Services Department. Mm-hmm. So what we had to list were the, the directors for them. So we listed um, Dr. Redfield, uh, the previous director of the CDC, uh, Dr. Walensky, the current director of the CDC. Uh, we listed Alex Azar, the previous secretary for the Health and Human Services Department, and the current secretary, Xavier Becerra, uh, as well. And then, of course, there was there's a, the statistics guy, the guy that's supposed to be the statistics guy, is, whose name is Brian Moyer. And he, he um, operates at an, in an organization, a federal agency just below that's under the CDC's umbrella. Mm-hmm. So we listed them. And, but we also, if you notice carefully on the cover sheet, we listed um, one to 25 uh, DOEs, DOEs, which I is, did notice that. <laughs> I right? was wondering, what does that entail? So, yeah. So yeah. grand juries have broad yeah. powers of investigation and subpoena yeah. and being able to get information to do a thorough investigation on behalf of the people. Right. We believe that they're going to, we believe that a grand jury impaneled will find more people to name and, and uh, hand down more indictments. Um, well, let me ask you the million dollar point right now that every listener listen, and at least certainly our audience would want to know here. I mean, they would put front and center in this if there was a way, Dr. Anthony Fauci, where's his name in all this? Um, we have something for those folks. We, 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 this is not the only petition concept that we've been working on. Uh, we have others ready to go, but this one is specifically for data fraud. And his, technically, his um, federal agency did not have uh, any involvement in that. So there's no ability to link. We want to make sure we keep things on what we can prove. And that's yeah. what we've done here. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then the question becomes I'm thinking here, we'll talk more about this just ahead here, but like, okay, so. We talked about holding people accountable, probably easier said than done, obviously, which is partly why you're doing this process here, which is the really the only process that is thorough and complete and that has a shot. And, and we'll discuss that more. But, you know, when a lot of people were closed off and a lot of people in Washington, when you mentioned the senators uh, were talking to different ones out there and nobody really grabbed on to this, you have to begin to get suspect. Is it just that people don't want to get their hands dirty? They, they don't or they didn't see any crimes here or they just didn't want to like, get involved? You know, a lot of times silence speaks volumes. Do you have any idea what the answer to that is, Dr. Ely? I think it's all of the above. I think you have people we know just looking at Senator, the senators, we know there are good people in government and we know there's other senators out there like Senator Johnson and, and uh, you know, Senator Paul. And then we have, you know, Governor DeSantis. They're good people out there. We know it. Um, and but not everybody has courage, especially in the face of overwhelming negativity. And I think what we did um, for a couple of years is we held the line for truth to finally come out. Now we're seeing a flood of people who are saying, <clears throat> pardon me, who are saying point blank, hey, I want to be part of the solution. This wasn't right. And I know something about it. And I want to get that to the right people. We want to start creating that network of people who can come forward and feel like, yes, justice is not only possible in this country, it's our duty to ensure that it happens. Interesting. Um, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's bring on uh, Senator Tim Thatcher now, if, if I might, please. And, uh, you know, w- Senator Thatcher, when you started looking at all of this, or as we just put the timeline together, 
uh, I'm just wondering, because there's such a human factor here with all this and, and a human toll with all of this. What, what was the biggest aha moment to you that really got your attention that said, this is so wrong? I mean, your gut obviously must have spoke to you, but what was the big smoking gun to you that, that did this? Well, I can just, I can say that there was a lot that was just not adding up. In fact, there were many people, experts, doctors sending studies and saying, hey, what they're doing at our Oregon Department you know, of Health Department, which would be the Oregon Health Authority, what they're doing doesn't make sense. Um, some of the shutdowns that were, were put in place and some were open, some were not, it just didn't make sense. And so I would forward these things and I would ask some of these questions and they would just say, well, the CDC, <laughs> you know, says this and that. So they were depending completely upon information from the CDC and they were just going to follow lockstep. And not only that, once it, it became to, it came to a point where they just would disregard it was just disregarding any information, any pointing out of inconsistencies. Um, and people would ask me, well, please pass this on, this information on to the Oregon Health Authority. I said, well, they know it. They don't care. That's just the bottom line. And so you've, you're figuring out as a state senator, well, okay, so we have three branches of govern, government. The, the legislature should be pushing back, right? Well, <laughs> no, we had in Oregon and have uh, a legislature that was not willing to push back against the governor that belonged to the same party. I think that had a lot to do with it. So you did not have that branch of government to give a check and balance on the executive. And then you had no ability to appeal meaningfully to the judiciary because you might win and you're at your local level, your local county uh, municipal court, but, but then by the time it made it to the Oregon Supreme Court, well, five of the seven judges were appointed by the, the governor who was, you know, this was, yeah. this, she was kind of the subject of the whole thing. So when people, there was just so much, it did, did not make sense, was not adding up. People saying, hey, wait a minute, why are they putting that my husband died of COVID when I know he died of a heart attack? Why did, you know, just, just it, it just goes on and on. I had so much, so much, so much. My inbox was so full. Yeah. Yeah. Those stories, we get them all the time, uh, Senator Thatcher. Those those you, they're human stories. They're I mean, people have been, uh, I mean, hit so hard with this and death has been all around us. And and we see those stories every day from listeners that reach out to this platform. And I, I can't begin to tell you the folks that I mean, what they've been through, you know, so when we talk about accountability or, or you know, when you talk about holding these sort of folks accountable, you just hit the nail right on the head there when you talked about what was going on with the governor uh, in Oregon and the legislative body there. And this is where things become very political and very problematic and because you can't get any justice. And, you know, you could take that same scenario you just put out right there, Senator Thatcher, and bring it all the way through to, uh, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. It's the same operation. So uh, talk to me on this. Uh, uh, all right. So this process of getting a grand jury, how does that level the playing field to be able to get the, an end result? Because it would be awfully tragic to go through this whole exercise and not have uh, some amount of victory at the end just to have defeat. 
how do we level that playing field with this process? Can you help educate us on that? Well, I am new to this grand jury uh, situation and I'm not a lawyer either, but what I, what I have learned over this process over the past many months is, is that the grand jury is there to hold government, government officials accountable. They're there to investigate government misconduct that might, you know, that just, you know, is so wrong, but there's, it is so threaded throughout every layer of government from the federal down to the states and then down into each county and then the cities and they're all doing their own things and adding their own stuff. It, it has to start somewhere. And uh, you know how uh, Al Capone got, got caught on, on a paperwork issue with <laughs> tax, <laughs> tax avoidance. I think we're on to something here. Uh, I've always been big on transparency and accountability in government. And that's huge. If we lack that transparency and we're just letting the bureaucracy run rampant, then that needs to be pointed out and it needs to be investigated. And that is what this does. Not only was there no transparency, it was willfully untransparent. It was willfully uh, to set up a, a, a fear factor all over the United States so that they could control us. That's how it feels to me. And it was just, well, I just think the grand jury is a new, well, <laughs> revived uh, tool that we can use. You don't see it used very often by That's citizens. Right. Yeah, yeah, well said, absolutely perfectly said. Uh, and that should give people a, a, a glimpse or a, a, of hope potentially here for some sort of an outcome that would be favorable uh, to we the people uh, very clearly. Uh, Senator Dennis Linthicum is here and, and we spoke once before, uh, Senator Linthicum, and it is a, a privilege to have you back with us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And now looking at this whole process again and picking up um, what uh, Senator Thatcher says there, trying to get that end result and using this grand jury process, with everything you've seen and everything that's transpired through this whole process, was it a big decision for you to get involved? I mean, it, it, to me, it is a big decision. When I've seen both your names on this, I mean, and then hearing you talk today, you, you get you, you really are able to paint the picture here and people can get a sense of your commitment to getting that truth out there. But you don't see that a lot in these circles. How do we how do we weave this through? Because you've already been met with some of those challenges when you bought this to the powers to be and nobody really bit. It's like putting the big juiciest uh, bait on the line and nobody bit what really they should have done. Uh, what was the big aha moment for you that got you involved in this? And how do we bring that process through to the end here, you think, Senator? I think the most obvious uh, part of it was the disparity in the news. You know, we are we're somewhat all familiar with information spin and government attempts to establish media direction and whatnot. But what we haven't yet seen or experienced is the level of fake news and the falsifying of information and the organizing of the entire bureaucracy to um, disseminate that information. Now, I'm in the eastern part of Oregon where water rights and forest management and farm and land management and, and cattle are on the landscape in, in giant ranches and farms. And 
I'm somewhat familiar uh, with the Information Quality Act because one of the requirements of the IQA is to have the federal government publish the information that they are planning on regulating. So the government would regulate water quality and they're gonna tell you what the parameters are going to be. The waters of the US, you'll remember from the Obama administration caused a big harump in the, in the space because it was redefined navigable waters to every little puddle on your piece of land and therefore it fell under the EPA's jurisdiction. Of course, that was absurd and ridiculous, and but the fact that they published it gave the public the opportunity to jump in and say, hey, wait a minute, and we could hold the government accountable at that point before it ever happened. So what the peer review paper that Dr. Ely just referred to was a peer reviewed paper that showed on specific dates where the Information Quality Act was violated. So this is now purposeful violation. And then there's another instance and another instance and another instance. And we now have all of these documented in a peer reviewed paper. And we know that these individuals have just gone down this path purposefully as uh, Senator Thatcher told us, and they've done this willfully and purposefully, and this is misconduct for the offices that they hold. Their responsibility is not to their own jobs or their own bureaucracies. Their responsibility is to you and I. They closed small businesses. They stated, oh, we only need two weeks to flatten the curve. Then they went to mask mandates and wearing masks and social distancing distancing. Um, and people, you know, gave a little bit of slack because we're, quote, following the science and that went into vaccine mandates. And now that's moving faster and faster towards um, vaccine ID cards or, uh, you know, any number of electronic wizardry that will, um, will allow these so-called bureaucrats control of our lives. So as those things are kind of erupting on the horizon, it seemed appropriate to step in and stop some of this. The first thing that I was involved in, which just led me to joining uh, Dr. Ely and uh, Senator Thatcher, was well, I had a lawsuit here in Oregon to um, to allow congregational settings for churches to continue because they got shut down. Those, quote, weren't essential businesses. Oregon had an essential business mandate. You could do that if you were an essential business, essentially a big box store, but you couldn't sell the same items in your mom and pop Main Street store. So now this is starting to feel like something weird is going on here at a massive level. And so our allegation is this is conspiratorial. This it, 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 it's not a false theory. This is truly um, willful misconduct. And the grand jury is the independent legal authority that's been empowered by the Constitution. This comes all the way from the U.S. Constitution way back when. It's empowered by case law. It's empowered by history. There's tons of information about uh, allegations of felonious criminal activity that need to be investigated by the federal grand jury. So that's our request. Well, I, I mean, I 
I'll tell you what, you got my attention with everything you just said. And the word that keeps coming up here is the word willfully. Everybody hears that word willfully. That's, that's intentionally. I mean, it's purposefully, but willfully. That makes a big deal. That's a, that's a big difference here. Uh, let me stay with you for this point here, Senator Lithicum. I'm going to ask you this here. Um, when we talk about this, and like you said, it gets conspiratorial. So I want to ask each of you, but I'd like to start with you here in, in this, really try to capture this. If this was willfully, what were they trying to pull off at the end of the day? Does anybody have, and I'll ask you first, Senator Lithicum, what do you, I mean, this is very perplexing to everybody, and I'm sure it's perplexing to you three, I mean, but I know this is magnified from all our listeners and everybody out there who really is looking for the reason or the purpose do you have, can you put a spotlight on anything in particular as to why they willfully did what they did? The first thing is, is rather obvious and we document it in our, uh, in our allegations and that's defrauding the U.S. taxpayer out of $3.5 trillion wow. in misappropriations of public funds. $3.5 trillion is a lot of money. That's mm. $3,500,000 million. I mean, it's a gigantic number. And in comparison, the typical uh, flu season um, or infectious disease uh, rate on an annual basis was 25.3 billion. So we went from 25, you know, 0. 0.025 trillion to 3.5 trillion. And this, it, now that we've got all this money coming out of the federal government, by the way, this money wasn't uh, wasn't earned, wasn't saved, and wasn't, you know, um, quite frankly, uh, generated from the prosperity of our nation. It just rolled off the printing press. Mm. And this money then was used to buy allegiance. This is why we see allegiance from higher ed. This is why we see allegiance from municipalities. This is why you see allegiance from uh, typically Democrat-run state governments. This is why we see allegiance from school boards at the local level. And this is why we see um, allegiance from the hospital associations and the uh, medical association and all of those environments. They're all engaged in receiving the benefits from this tragedy. And, and the real, the real you know, underlying tragedy is that people have lost their lives. They have been killed not only by COVID or hospitalization or mandatory vaccines or whatnot. And somehow nobody seems to care. And this, I think our effort here is to shake the public and have them wake up that we are in the face of a medical health tyranny. And it's time for us to stand up for our rights as, um, as Americans. Wow. I mean, wow, wow, wow. I mean, and uh, I always do three wows when it's a big one, my friends, but it is a wow, wow, wow. Uh, I mean, it's incredibly well said. You know, I, I feel juiced at the moment here. I've really got to jump in my step. And let me tell you why, friends. Because all too often through the everyday conversations we have in everyday life, we feel that people are not willing to put themselves out there. There's a lack of courage 
uh, sadly, in our nation. And we, we feel that, we sense that. I'm sure you'll agree with that. And, you know, when we hear the words here of uh, Senator Dennis Lintencombe, who you just heard right there, and Senator Kim Thatcher just before him, and Dr. Henry Ely, and you realize the level of information uh, in the, uh, well, the, the truth, but the grave risk they put themselves in uh, on so many levels, okay, professionally for sure, but personally as well. But as the Senator just said, I mean, people died. I mean, a lot of people died and we had people in our circles this happened to. And I know Dr. Ely did as well in his family and we all suffered and I mean, and, and a lot of this was completely avoidable. That's the sad, sad state of it. And we've known this, we've, we've known this. And so now what should give us all a jump at our step, please understand is that there are people who will hold people's feet to the fire, that there, there, there are people who still yearn for justice and you're hearing them right here today. Now I gotta tell you, you know, <laughs> there's a graph and a chart here. Uh, as to why we need a full independent audit of all death certificates. Now, this is very personal. And we've had personal stories on this platform. And you know what I'm talking about here. We've had them on all our programs. And, and people who, they're, you know, they, they, every, their husband lost their wife, their kids, other people. I mean, they died. And things could have been a whole lot different. And it comes back to this pushing of vaccines and it, it gets, well, it's again, healthcare, it gets very political. It's no, no longer been about healthcare. And as, as uh, Lithicum said, science, yeah, what is the science anymore? We, we all know that's a joke. It's a, it's a throwaway line that they use to get what they want. These, these uh, perpetrators, I have a whole lot of adjectives. I had to hold myself back there. If you notice that I had to pause just to go, you know, sometimes you just forget where you're at that you're in a public setting and you have other adjectives you might want to throw in there. So I've got to be careful of that. But there's one shot, which we'll talk to them in just a moment about here. We need a fully independent order of all death certificates. I mean, it, and you know, okay. So we're approaching about a million here, supposedly of people that died from this. Now and keep in mind, I'm putting aside all the point that they're pushing the vaccines thing. I'm put, putting aside all the fact that, you know, there's a whole nother political agenda here of, of uh, holding back early treatment, doing all the things that we could have been doing to help people live. And instead, like we just clear it all out. And it, this it was well, I, I, I don't like it when this word is used because it's a dirty word and people overuse it. But I have to tell you, you know what it feels like right now? It really feels like a genocide. I I. I I don't know that it was too concerned with whether they were men or women or what their ethnic backgrounds were, but it feels like a human genocide. I, I guess that's the way I'd say it. Just kill as many damn people as we can. They're uh, expensive, dispensable, whatever, right? Let's just, what, I mean, is that what you feel? That's exactly the way I feel. And when you're looking back to this chart, I say, now, this chart here was referenced, oh, let's see. Okay, so February. So, you know, the, it just keeps ticking, you know, because you know, you know, people are still being impacted by this. It was 890,000 plus. Again, it's well over that now. It's coming not too far off from a million here of uh, uh, documented deaths. Again, kind of the cash register ringing is how you look at this, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. 
And then the projected deaths after the partial audit removes. Uh, so uh, an estimated 25% were miscategorized uh, just off the top. In other words, bing, sorry. <laughs> that brings it down to 623. But the actual death count probably would be this low, had all these things, all these shenanigans, sh shenanigans, all shenanigans, had that not been happening, would have been eh, just about 53,000. And let's be clear, one life is too many lives. Let's be real clear here. But my, my fellow Americans and to our friends here around the globe, I mean, come on, 53 is, is a lot different than about 900,000 now approaching a, a million, don't you think? Don't you think? Yeah, I think. <laughs> Rest of my case, right? So now you say, well, how do we do this thing? And where, where do we find these people? And, you know, and that's really what I want to cover next with, with, with this great panel discussion we're having here is because so much slips through our fingertips, it seems. But you know, there's one thing I have learned about my uh, brother here, uh, Brother Henry, Dr. Henry Ely, that is a uh, man I truly uh, think the absolute world of, you know, and is that he uh, never lets it rest. He uh, fights from the soul every day, from his heart, from his soul. And he never, he, he, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a conviction inside of us that you either have that or you don't. And he clearly has it very much, along with the, uh, the integrity and the professional sensibility and help of Senators Kim Thatcher and Senator Dennis Lithicum. Uh, now you've got something here that hopefully can get some headway and be able to go after these perpetrators. So we'll take a quick pause, my fellow Americans, and to our friends around the globe here as we're talking about, well, a COVID grand jury. How do we convene that? And furthermore, how do we get to the public square and hold those people accountable? I have a few visuals I probably can't share on radio, but we'll pause right there. We'll join you on the other side. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. 
poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. And we join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and thank you for being with us on the mission here. And today is a big mission. It's a big mission for we the people. It's a mission to get the truth out there, you know, and to make those seas shine again. You know, I love saying from sea to shine and sea, but it's tough to say that now, people. It's real tough. And, and, and as a patriot, that's hard. That's hard for me to swallow, quite frankly. But it's very difficult because the corruption breeds corruption absolutely breeds corruption and it's everywhere it's everywhere people have sold their soul to the devil it seems i'll tell you isn't that the case you know i got this listener comment and i want to start back here and ask uh, dr henry ely to opine on this and it's interesting because th this person says this i do not agree people should have a choice to vaccinate it should be removed and banned First, it gives the bio companies the support to fuel the corruption and all of the injured people who have taken the jab are putting pressure on the hospitals and our healthcare system unnecessarily. Well, this will further impact Medicare, which is already in threat of solvency by 2026. Please, please speak out increasingly for the removal of the bio jab and for legislation to prevent this from happening again. Now, I'm not trying to take a side road here and I'm not trying to digress so much, but I just had to get that into this conversation today for people to hear that comment that just came in this morning. And I just said, you know, I got to share this on this program. How would you respond to that, Dr. Ely? Well, what I, what I would first say is, you know, you have to question any system that prevents people who are injured or harmed from a redress of grievance, from looking, in this case, a, a person injured by any shot, from being able to sue the manufacturer of that shot for medical compensation and, and pain and suffering, right? You, it's the only product in the world where they have this civil immunity. And, and to me, that speaks to a reduction in product integrity because when a consumer has the right to sue and, and get compensated for injuries or even deaths, then what that does is it forces the company to have integrity in their product to make sure that they don't lose money. It's it's a natural kind of legal checks and balance between we the people and and the fascist state, the corporations. But when you give a company, you know, hey, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how many people your product hurts or kills, you know, you can't sue them. Then there's no incentive for that company to improve their product quality and make sure it's safe and do thorough investigation. The second part of that is we don't have a system in place when we're talking about vaccines and the vac national vaccine program to ensure independent testing for everything that these pharmaceutical companies do. They, they're they allowed to police themselves. And then and now in this case, say, we don't even have to release the ingredients to, to what's in this thing. We, we just trust us. No, it's hmm. not my, I'm not going to trust you. you. You've 
Pfizer is responsible for paying over $3.2 billion in fraud in, in, a, in another instance already. So why would I trust someone who's already lied? So what we got to get to, Malcolm, and this is where I think we're going to ultimately go with this. We want to see the people who have committed alleged crimes. They deserve a day in court, right? right. They deserve to be indicted and, and have their day in court. We want to see them in that day of court and try to defend themselves against these allegations. But after that, I don't think it's legislation, Malcolm, that we have to seek. I think what we, because legislation can be repealed. We have to seek a constitutional amendment that mm. explicitly protects health, freedom, and, and, and I'm, mm. I'm, I'm developing one right now mm. based upon the patient bill of rights that every organization has that you have a right to accept or refuse any medical intervention, period and that you can't be discluded from society or your access to your public tax dollars because you don't take an intervention that they say is safe and effective, but they've never proven to be actually safe and effective. So you're talking about creating a landmark moment is what you're talking about now. You're damn straight I am. Yeah, yeah, that, that changes everything. You're talking about the amendment. Now, it's a process. It's not an easy process to do what you're suggesting there. But then again, none of this was an easy process, was it now? And even to get to this point and have this conversation today with all of us was never an easy process. It was disinformation. It was, as, as Senator Lithicum said a moment ago, follow the so-called science. It's voodoo science is what it is, voodoo science. All of that was part of this game. And so you have to come back to what are they really after? So I asked uh, Senator Lithicum that just before the pause there. Uh, before I ask, uh, you know, Senator Thatcher a moment to go to, let me ask you, Doctor. I mean, what, you, you've thought about this a lot. You've had a lot of sleepless nights. I'm sure you've looked up at the ceiling and really wondered and prayed about this thing. What do you think? What do you think was the end goal? Do you, do you have any uh, feeling, any gut feeling on this thing? What the end goal was for all for the for the will? I'm talking about the willful part of this, the willful. Right, right, right. Well, first of all, Malcolm, I'm really blessed. As soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm out. <laughs> so I, I sleep with a clear conscience at night. I'm not sure how many of these folks can do if they can do the same. Uh, what I'd say to you um, is is this: you know, when we when we look at a situation. Um, that we've had, you know, going on for this long, we, we have to ponder. Part of me says, I don't want to ponder, I want to know. You know, I teach my students, and when they're practicing nutrition, don't guess when you can know. Ask the question, get the lab, work from actual, you know, empirical evidence, right? That's how we have to be. Well, the grand jury gives us that opportunity because they can get in the nooks and crannies that most people can't see. They, they you know, they can subpoena anything and get it. My biggest problem, Malcolm, has been that we still haven't gotten down to the core, a definitive understanding and of, of how this began. Because if this began in a lab, that is clear evidence of planning. That's clear evidence of, of, you know, of really of crimes against humanity at that point, opening up Pandora's box. And the thing that we cannot allow have happen are people who would think and act like that for their own profit, a, a seeming like a, a, a murder for profit scheme, right? A eugenics murder for profit scheme. We can't let people like that have any authority in our world, but we especially can't let them commit crimes of any level. Now, this is the greatest crime in my opinion that's ever been committed, but we can't allow them to continue to walk free amongst us and profit off of our demise. We cannot allow that. That cannot be the future that we pay forward to our children, we just can't do that. So when I when I used the words a moments ago, not really uh, an American genocide, was that too strong? 
No, absolutely not. It's not too strong. Look at look at what's going on right now. We have to look at the totality of damage and, and harm that has been done. Mm-hmm. We have children who committed suicide. We have people who committed suicide because their business was failing. We have uh, loved ones who died alone, but they, they were really killed in the hospital. It wasn't that they died and there was nothing in the hospital. The hospital refused to do anything, refused to give early treatment. They, they shoved oxygen down people's throat without justification, but so that they could get a better reimbursement rate. You know, when you look at these kind of things, these are facts. Now they're ugly facts. No, nobody's comfortable about this. You think I'm, I'm enjoying telling this story? This is horrible. I have to live this every day of my life. There are so many nights, Malcolm, where I can sleep but I can tell you almost every day I have tears in my eyes mm-hmm. about what I'm seeing and the stories that come out and the, and the, the grinder, the meat grinder that humanity has been put into mm-hmm. by a few corrupt people that yeah. we can hold to account. You have to think in the terms of like how many people were brainwashed with this thing. Uh, Senator Thatcher, let me bring you back on here with us. And uh, you're such a great voice up front in the program here. And I want to get you to back to opine on this. And I, I use some pretty strong words there uh, coming through the, um, the the middle of the program and the pause. And, you know, and, you know, really looking at this thing and the, the pain that so many people that Dr. Ridley puts out there perfectly. You know, I had a woman on just so a couple of few weeks ago, Dr. Dawn Michaels, uh, who her husband, Dr. Abilio uh, Ramos, uh, Dr. Abilio Ramos, as I recall, is his name, is a medical doctor, was on the front lines of COVID. And he got, uh, sadly got COVID, ended up in the hospital in California. They fed him remdesivir and he died of kidney failure. And what I'm saying is these people are being, they're being brainwashed uh, it seems to me like, you know, I described it to listeners a while back here, uh, Senator Thatcher. It's almost like the body snatchers or mind snatchers came in and took part of the population away. I don't know what the hell to say anymore about it. It's like, you can't make heads or tails out of this thing. But what do you, what do you get out of all this uh, with, you know, this, the information flow and the people, I guess the part of the people here, the part of we, the people here that were willing to throw the other part of the we, the people under the bus. I I can't figure it out. Can you? Well, you know, it just, it's kind of spooky to even say it out loud, but it does seem like a worldwide conspiracy because what played out in Oregon, played out across the United States, played out across the world. And there, there seemed to be a lockstep. This is how we're going to treat people. We are going to, uh, you know, I had a family member that was forced uh, to be ventilated and had remdesivir. He lived through it, but he couldn't walk by the time he left the hospital. And they were going to insist that he had the jab before he left the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pressuring him and pushing him. They even got family members to pressure him, but he, he refused, thank goodness. But he's and still that's what they're doing. Walking. No, you're exactly right. They, they force it on you. And you know what else, Senator? They get ugly in your face, ugly. It is. It is very ugly. Well, I, I just, I, you know, one of the things that CDC, I just think is really interesting that they did not come up with a way to constitute a COVID diagnosis. They decided to slip it on over to this organization, private nonprofit organization. Nobody's ever heard of. I hadn't ever heard of it before called the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists, the CSTE. But what's special about this particular nonprofit organization is heavily funded by the vaccine industry. So (laughs) you have the people who basically have an interest in making sure people get vaccinated 
coming up with a position paper on what constitutes a COVID diagnosis. And so yeah. they, they determined that a single cough no matter if it's an allergy, if it's an undetermined organ or origin, that would qualify as the positive diagnosis for COVID. A single cough, like, okay, right? All right. right, right. So, it, and it did not require a test to prove a diagnosis. Well, we can talk more about the tests later, but you know, whether they're accurate or not, but basically they could count people multiple times because they declined to define a methodology to ensure that the same person couldn't be counted multiple times. So that, that could be counted as a case each time that person coughed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, this was done, I mean, I can't imagine the CDC could not have come up with ways to, to determine a diagnosis. They have, I mean, the, they're the CDC, they're right. world renowned, they were. For their for their expertise and their science and all of that, mm -hmm. and but they did this to avoid mandatory public con comment. This was to avoid transparency. This was to avoid the federal oversight that is uh, being pointed out in this uh, grand jury. Well, don't, don't you agree that these federal agencies? You mentioned the CDC there; they've lost all credibility. I think any I don't I don't know of any people <laughs> I don't anybody that really trust any of these groups anymore. Right? They've lost all credibility. Oh, not only them, the media that seemed to be in lockstep, pretty much any of the agencies associated with him and all the state agencies that went along with it, there is just a real <laughs> decline in trust in our government agencies right now. Absolutely. There absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, Senator Litikum, let's bring you back in here, please. And uh, I, uh, let me just ask you, so how do you feel looking at this overall now? Let's bring it to a head here. Uh, what do you think? Um, what does success look like for you? I mean, real success with this whole process of you putting yourself out there. What does it look like at the end? I think the success is a, a, a little bit of holding people accountable um, and, uh, and then organizing public support for a, a constitutional amendment. Um, it, it, as Dr. Ely mentioned a minute ago, and People can recall, uh, I like quoting the founders a lot because I think they were geniuses. And um, Benjamin Rush, who was the doctor of the revolution, he was uh, the doctor for who helped inoculate uh, Abigail Adams and her children while John Adams was away and that sort of thing. So a very, uh, very astute medical man of the era. And he has a quote, unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize into an ever undercover dictatorship and restrict the art of healing to one class of men and deny equal privilege to the others and will be constituted to be the bastille of medical science. And so what he's saying is, look at if we make medicine this special government run medical institute we will they will become dictators and we will lose our religious freedom our medical freedom our freedom of speech and they holding the cards of privilege will be put in charge and i think really this is what we're seeing you know these guys knew their stuff, they laid it out for us, and we blindly said, mm -hmm. oh, they're old timers, who cares about old white guys? 
And I don't care what the color of anybody's skin is. What I really care about is the value of their understanding, the value of their truth, the value of their moral review of what it takes to create a, um, a culture that is uh, built on human flourishing instead of being built on one guy stealing money out of the other guy's pocket. I mean, the kind of rampant um, d- devastation that we're seeing in the public square, over social media, in the economic realm, these are all terrible uh, portents for the United States of America and where we go from here. And, um, and so we end up here now at uh, 30,000 feet, uh, Dr. Henry Ely. Uh, the, the next step in the process, and, and let me also, as, as you think about that and we'll inform folks here, I want to remind you that there's a whole lot more about the grand jury and uh, connection to all this information on covidcon21.com. Uh, but there's a connection to that. If you go to americaoutloud.com uh, on our platform, right up at the top left bar, you'll see a grand jury uh, a, a image there, if you will, uh, an image. You very, can't miss it. It says, the data didn't lie. People did. We, the people, deserve and demand answers on the biggest scam in history, COVID-19. That will link you directly to COVIDCon 21 and get all the information. And there's a lot on this if you want to follow it up. Dr. Early, what's, uh, what's the next step? What happens? Well, the next step for us, Malcolm, is uh, process serving the defendants, which is going to start in earnest next week. Uh, Really excited about that. We're not going to make it a theatrical thing, but we want to make sure we're following all the rules of federal procedure. Um, Because, you know, look, these are allegations. Let's be really clear. These are allegations and the people who have allegations against them deserve their day in court. Right. If we believe in the justice system that our forefathers erected. And I do. So uh, what we want to do is get them into that court, though, finally, like that's the thing. We got to get them into that position. Um, what's next for us also is we are working on other grand jury petitions and naming other other people. You know, we got it. We have to bring this to light. But I think what we want to get out is an education to Americans that this is our grand jury system. We are learning how to reaccess it again. Mm-hmm. And as we all collectively crack that code, we make we the people stronger. Mm-hmm. We make justice and liberty for all stronger and something that we can now pass forward to our children because we've knocked the cobwebs and we've cleaned the dust off of a system that our forefathers put in place for our salvation in times just like this. Yeah, amen to that, Dr. Ely. That is uh, for certain there. We will obviously be on the case here on America Out Loud. And of course, uh, Dr. Henry Ely, his program, Energetic Health Radio, uh, plays on Saturday and Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You'll hear at noontime Pacific. Uh, you'll hear that on the platform and on iHeartRadio and uh, uh, in all over the world, my, my fellow Americans, and to our friends around the globe. A tremendous thank you and great uh, gratitude here to uh, Senator Dennis Lithicum, uh, Senator Kim Thatcher, uh, Dr. Henry Ely. Thank you, my friends, for being with me on the mission here. It's time uh, to get involved and get loud.